everybody, Luke McElroy from Mr. Force Assaulting, back with another episode of the Physiology Secrets Podcast. Joined today with Nick Jane Koskis. Uh, today we're just going to answer a question which has been in the Mets Mastermind group for quite some time. We did answer it privately, but we wanted to put it out publicly because this question does come up quite frequently. Uh, Nick, can you go through the question? Yeah, so the question was, um, often see mixed reviews, research, or opinions on big gear uh, threshold efforts. So the example given here is like 6 by 6 minutes at 100% of your FTP at about 70, uh, cadence of 70 RPM. Uh, with three minutes uh, easy spinning recovery, about 60% of FTP at 90 RPM. Um, some of the research says that those intervals or those types of intervals, big gear work has no real benefit. And then other um, other sources are sort of saying that 40K time trial type performance is, is something that could be improved by it. So um, really the question I'm asking, like, what's, what's the go with big gear, big gear training or I guess the opposite end of the spectrum as well with high cadence training, how does it all fit in? Yeah, I guess it sort of comes down to, again, always understanding what the goal of your session is. Uh, I know a lot of people, they sort of use this as like a strength endurance session, which I'm not a big fan of. If you want to do your strength, do it heavy in the gym. If you want to do your endurance, do it at the optimal force velocity curve, yeah. which we'll talk about shortly. You can do it. Look, there's, a, there's a crossover. It's going to work for most people once you get to that higher level of fitness and strength that's going to have limited benefit. But if people are time poor, they just want to they enjoy doing it on the bike, it's better for adherence, then yes, it's going to work pretty well. But there are better ways for your strength endurance or your strength. Strength and endurance probably shouldn't really go together, kind of opposite things. Um, but so, so you can be worth uh, in terms of in terms of um, I'm trying to think what I've seen in oxygen consumption. I'm trying to just say you'd think that lower cadence would have higher I feel lower cadence should have higher oxygen consumption but I actually think the research shows that lower cadence has lower oxygen consumption well, my yeah. thinking was that if you've got lower cadence you're probably going to be rocking left and right and unnecessarily clenched in the hands and using extra muscles and therefore have higher oxygen consumption but I actually think the research I'm talking small amounts but the research is showing that lower cadence actually has a slightly lower oxygen consumption have you read anything about that I wrote it specifically but it's something they're talking about in triathlon now is quite often they a lot of people traditionally sort of went oh if we have a really high cadence it's going to help us run off the bike better but lower cadence is starting to be the way to go which might be coming down to an option consumption thing is it more economical um to just be consistently just ticking the pedals over as opposed to almost over spinning um might be coming down to economy thing i'm talking small but yeah i don't think it's massive because you still you still see a quite a big variance this is where we can head with force velocities yeah a big variance of riders who are typically really high cadence compared to some who much prefer to sit at 70 rpm um, or, or 60 rpm at, at, at an effort um, but they're both putting out the same amount of power yeah see i know that uh, i'll hit my if i'm doing a sprint i'll hit my peak power at somewhere between 140 and 150 rpm that's like a max effort sprint mm -hmm. trying to hit 2000 watts or whatever i'm trying to hit um, and then also when i used to race crits competitively i'd sit around 100 to 110 through a crit race but now if I go out for a ride, even if I'm pushing pretty hard, go up the one in 20 as hard as I can, I'm sitting about 80, 85 RPM. So I notice that the more trained I am personally, the higher my optimal cadence is, mm. uh, and the, the, the less trained, the, the lower it is. So do you just want to roll through what is force velocity and how it applies to cycling cadence? Yeah, so pretty much everything from a power perspective is governed by this force velocity curve or the relationship between force and velocity. So you, your wattage on the bike is made up of basically the, cadence and then how hard you're turning the pedals essentially so the torque that's going around the around the pedal um, or through through the bottom bracket you, you can put out a really high amount of force if you if you're stationary on the bike basically not moving in the hardest gear possible and you turn the pedals once it takes a lot of force to do that um, but you do it a very slow 
slow velocity. On the other end of the spectrum, if you're rolling down a hill, you're getting the lightest possible gear and you just spin as fast as you can. Yeah, you can get your cadence up to 100, 150, 140, whatever you can get to, but you're not going to be putting a lot of force through the pedals. So it's really this, the, the faster you spin the pedals, the less force you can put in, and the slower you spin the pedals, the more force you can put in. It's, it's a simple way of putting it. But there is this balance point in the middle where it's basically everyone's got this optimal point based on your genetics and your muscle fiber type makeup of your more slow twitch, more fast twitch, where you're going to put the best best amount of power out at a particular cadence gearing ratio that's going to give you, I guess, that optimal performance that you can just, just sit on. Um, talking about your example before, you go when you feel like you're more trained. And something we spoken before with like 2,000 watts, why can you get there? It's probably you're a heavy, fast twitch fiber mm. um, person anyway. You're going to be more on that just explosive, rapid end of the spectrum. So you're able to get that cadence going because you can produce those contractions really, really quickly and explosively. Get up to a cadence of 140, 150 in a sprint, no issues. Compared to if we take your ultimate endurance athlete, long long distance specialist, slow twitch fiber type, they might hit their peak power at a cadence of 90 and they can't spin much faster because their body just can't produce that explosive action to pedal really quickly. Um, as a result, even though they've turned the pedals hard because the cadence isn't up there, they're not able to get the, the top end power up. So it's a balance between force and... force and Yeah, it's trying, it's trying to find that optimum. It's kind of like you want to... At, a, at the risk of oversimplifying, it's almost you want to have your, your cadence as high as possible whilst maximising tension throughout the whole cycle. Yeah. You need to be able to produce the force at the yeah. same time. So, um, it, it, again, really simply, you could, you could be pedalling... If you push, let's say... Um, one kilogram of force at a at an RPM of a hundred, you're at a hundred watts, for example. Yep. Versus ten kilograms of force at ten RPM is still a hundred. Ten times ten is a hundred. Hundred times what? Whatever I said, it's the same wattage. It's the same yeah. wattage. Yeah. You, you can either you can either produce more force slowly or uh, less force quickly and, and potentially get the same wattage. So you need to find what the optimum is for you. Now, obviously, if you're pedaling like a fifty RPM and, and grinding, you can imagine, as I said before, just picture it in your head. You're going to be wobbling. Not, yeah. It's not going to be optimal. You're going to have yeah. dead spots because look, your quads are stronger than your hamstrings. You'll be able to push more than you can pull. Like you know, you've got to find that that mm. even torque through the pedal. Uh, and then on the flip side, if you're going to go pedal it, if you're used to doing 90 or 100 and you go try to do 180 RPM, I think I think the fastest I could ever get to is about 185. I know yeah. some sprinters can get to like 200. So uh, if you're going to try and go pedal at 180 revolutions per minute, it's going to be extremely... Yeah, really quick. Yeah. It's you're not going to have much tension on the pedals at all. Exactly. You're not going to hold the tension throughout. You're not going to have an even pedal stroke. So um, in terms of the optimum for you, it's going to vary... Uh, depending on what you do. As I said, the, the lower the intensity for me, the lower my cadence, because I don't have to, put, if I'm only pushing at 250 watts, I don't have to be at 110 because yep. I can produce plenty of force at 90 RPM to hit 250 versus I'm racing doing a crit mm. and I'm trying to accelerate out of the corner. Anyone who's done crit racing, have a look, you, go, you go into a corner, if you break into the corner and you're in a reasonably big gear, because you, maybe you're going 40, 45, and then you, you come out of the corner going 20, um, it's hard. You, you get yeah. dropped off. If you don't gear down, you get dropped off because now you've got to produce a, a lot of force at a lower cadence and, and it's not uh, it's not effective in terms of that yeah. force velocity profile. So you, you either need to fly into the corner or maybe gear down twice because the optimum for you to, to accelerate back up more yeah. quickly is a lower resistance uh, and, and a quicker speed. So um, you're going to want to basically, as I said before, find out what the optimum is for you in terms of being able to maintain the tension of the the crank throughout the whole movement um, 
and whatever whatever speed RPM that occurs at, whether that be 90, 100, 110, some people 120 maybe, you probably haven't seen much above that, at least for prolonged time trials. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be very, very dependent on you. But in terms of like a training tool, so doing it for, and I know it's a little bit vague in terms of what happens here, but for like 40, 40K time trials, so just six by six mm-hmm. minute efforts at, at your functional threshold and at a low gear, um, do you see any benefit in that or is it... Uh, is, is that sort of more of yeah. a strength training? I think thing? The, inter- the interesting thing that we'd, we need to look at from a... If we're looking at 40k time trial performance being improved because of doing big gear, if we're seeing an improved result, I would put that down typically to what your individual force velocity profile looks like. Are you more of that able to produce force really quickly or are you able to produce a lot of force and which end do you fall? So like a simple test you can do is like a five-second sprint on a bike um, if you've got a power meter, of course. Five second sprint, flat out, slight downhill if you can to get yourself moving. But you want to be starting as close as possible to a stationary start and then just go as hard as you can for five seconds. What you'll see is you'll see your maximum cadence in that time. And typically guys who can get up to 120, 130, 140 in that time will be more of that ability to get the, the cadence going at high velocity. May actually find that you working on the big gear stuff might help them. Um, it depends on what gearing you're starting, but you need to start on something that's reasonably sort of when I say moderate to heavy under your feet, if that makes sense. Um, but if you find that you can't get the cadence going, you're at 80, 90 cadence at the end of that five seconds, we probably need to work on some of the higher cadence stuff. So I'd probably find, if you did a study into 40k time trial performance and took a whole bunch of athletes who had issues with producing lots of force, but they're really good at producing the velocity, so the cadence, and then had a group of athletes who did the opposite, and you gave them those those two groups different training interventions, so the group that could produce lots of force got high velocity stuff, so low low gear, um, really fast spinning. I gave the other group big gear, low cadence. So basically just working on their weakness, essentially. They all start to improve time trial performance because when they can then choose their cadence and choose their gear ratio to see on that optimal, that's where you're going to be producing your best performance for a 40K time trial. But it's the type of thing. All we've done in the training is just work on the weaker part of our yeah. overall performance and go on, or a weaker part of that force velocity perspective. Um, and then it's just brought everything back into the middle. Yeah. So I, I think I think sort of summarise what, what you said there in terms of performance enhancement. Um, everybody's going to be a little bit different, and I, I've read every I've read ninety to hundreds about the standard for mm. most people being the optimum cadence, but um, it's going to vary to person to person. So you'd almost need to do. I'm trying to think of it. Protocol, not something we standardised, but a protocol on the go where maybe you do a ten minute, maybe six, maybe a ten minute effort, um, and you just play around with different cadences. You do seventy, and then you do complete recovery. Next two, two days later, you do eighty, and then you do ninety, and then you hold a hundred. Just go balls out as hard as you can, see what your average power is, and mm. rating perceived exertion and all the rest. Um, this is obviously isolated just to cycling. We're not talking about running off the bike and yep. different different yeah, muscular yeah, fatigue issues cycling. you might have on there, um, but uh, basically. Testing that out, and there's no doubt in my mind I've done it, and this isn't from a scientific point of view, this is just from when I raced, when I, when I didn't race. If I want to increase my cadence, and because I, I found that 100 to 110 was better, I just had to do efforts at that. So I just do really low resistance and get up to like, again, it's hard as you can. Yeah. I'm, it's all either really hard or really easy, right? So it's hard as you can, 160, 170, 180 to low cadence, and that just made me more comfortable at that 100 to 110. So you don't have to bring it up, but if you wanted, if you, if after you did some testing and you decided, hey, look, actually at 100, I'm I've got a better power output at a lower rating perceived exertion. 
um, but normally I'm only at 80 and you've got to pick it up and you've got to do that, that higher cadence stuff and vice versa. If you find that actually, you know what, I'm, I'm functioning better at 80 than I was at 100, then maybe you can do the, yeah. the, the slightly more heavy resistance, 70 RPM work, um, to bring it down. And it's going to be, again, a, a training tool, whether it's low or mm. high cadence, to, to bring up or come down depending on what your optimum is. Yeah. Uh, I think from a strength endurance perspective, I think we're both in agreement that, hey, you can do it as a secondary thing, but it is better yeah. to do your strength work in the gym. Mm. Uh, but there's a time and place if you're fresh, six minute efforts is going to be pretty much sub max because it's even not the FTP, it's sub max. Mm. But if you were to do full recovery, two, three minutes recovery, and then go really hard for five, 10, 15 seconds, yep. that's going to be really good. You'll stimulate the right fibers and, and grow it up that way. Yep. But if you're going to do a prolonged effort at a lower um, cadence, at the end of the day, it's going to be the same power output. It's still going to be a sub max power output, 300 yep. watts, but your max is 1,000. It's still a sub max workload. So yep. it's probably not the best strength tool, but. Uh, something better than nothing and you know, that would yeah. be the, the, the next best alternative. Yeah, and like I said, it's you just got to think about what the adaptation or the purpose of the session is. If the purpose of the session is, oh, I want to get, I'm doing a big gear session because I'm trying to get stronger quads to be able to put more force on the pedals, like just go on leg press or squat heavy or single leg squat or Bulgarian split squat or whatever you want yeah. to do because it's, that's just a more controlled way of loading up the muscles, getting the same stimulus, the same adaptation. I'd rather save the bike sessions for the specific stuff and go, all right, I'm going to do my six by six minute efforts at FTP at my optimal cadence because um, that is the most specific way to train for my 40k time trial mm. as opposed to jumping on the bike and doing some doing really lots of really big gear stuff. be interesting to see there's some of the studies that were that sort of being referred to in the question. It's like, were any of those athletes doing anything other than just being on the bike? If not, then yeah, the session probably working because it's substituting for their, their strength session off the bike. But if they were doing strength off the bike, are we kind of doubling up and just... Again, yeah, when we talk about so. time poor athletes and not being able to do a lot of things, maybe at the moment with not much access to gyms, if you don't have a home gym, maybe it's a decent alternative for now. Um, but yeah, when everything sort of reopens, is the type of thing that you're better off spending your time in a gym. I'd probably say yes mm. for for the the big gear stuff. Do the strength quality strength work in the gym, then transition it to the bike and, and focus on the optimal output because that's specificity. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I prescribe on the bike strength all the time, but I don't do it for six minutes continuously. I do yeah. it, it's, it's a 10, it's ATP PC, so it's probably a 10 second block. Yeah. Uh, it's either really low cadence, really, really high, sorry, really low gear and high cadence, or it might be stationary, high gear and, and, and really low cadence, but really high force. But the, the, my point being is I'm not holding 300 watts, I'm trying to yeah. hold 2000 watts and yeah. make it maximal intensity, whereas a six minute effort is kind of like, well, you're getting a little bit of strength, but not as much as doing what I just said before, and then it's kind of doubling up as mm. cardio, and it's a bit of a mixture, and we're not yep. really big on the mixture, you're better off doing one or the other. Yeah. And while are we putting ourselves at risk of something like an injury? I know, like, as we said before, I, you drop the cadence down, does that make you rock a bit more on the bike? Mm. For most people who have a reasonable bike fit, but there's probably still some tweaks and stuff you can make, or if you've done it yourself and haven't had it assessed or whatever, if you're starting to rock a bit more, does that cause issues in your lower back? Does it cause issues mm. through your knees because you're just trying to push the pedals with a lot more force? Um, it's going to obviously fatigue you a lot more than doing an optimal cadence session, I would, I would think, because you're just having to exert more force into the pedals each pedal stroke. Um, so you go riding up a hill in a heavy gear and try to do it all the way up. It's tough. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not as easy as sitting your optimal, or if you try and sit down the entire way up the hill, you're not going to get up out of the saddle. It's that, I look at it in that type of perspective. So are you running into more issues than what you need to be? Maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah, I guess, I guess the last consideration, and I'll, I'll bring it up because we know Brent is a triathlete, is um, is running off the bike. You mm. know, yeah. Again, it's going to be an individual thing. I personally know that for me, higher cadence, lower resistance is better for me running off the bike. Mm. Um, and I, I guess it's it's kind of one of those things. We know that using a time, sorry, yeah, using a triathlon or a time trial bike reduces the neuromuscular transition more than a road bike because you're in more hip extension, using more glutes yep. and, and muscles at the back of your legs, you're able to transition into running better. I find it a similar way in terms of having a higher cadence given that you're going to be running it, for me, at a low cadence, but it's still 165 yep. steps a minute. Mm. So if I go from 100 to 110 revolutions per minute on the bike to 160 steps, that's a, that's a lesser transition than holding a 70 RPM cadence and then all of a sudden having to triple that almost, that double and a half. Yep. To get to 165 and also i just find that my legs are heavy if i hold the set the so whether yep. i got the one in 20 whatever it is i'm holding 70 80 85 cadence my legs are pretty tired at the end versus if i can keep on top of spinning at 100 110 mm. um one i hold personally i hold more power anyway but i find that the, the the less strain on my legs the better coming the run but i know a lot of people and it's quite a big thing that they yeah. do a lower cadence so it just depends it's, on what it's you the type do. of thing is there something in maybe if you're spinning a really high cadence even towards the back end of the bike and then you come off and you've got a relatively low cadence when you run if that's your natural rhythm is that where the impacting factor is i'm just thinking through potential potential options of what what's going on it's like if you if you have a really sort of i guess moderate cadence on the bike you're seeing 80 or 90 then you jump off the bike you start running at a pretty sort of moderate cadence mm. you don't necessarily try to turn your feet over too quick are you then keeping things quite consistent in terms of what your body's outputting potentially um that's probably where i see maybe a cadence of like 100, 110, if you spin really quick, and then you jump off and you start running, you've got a decent stride length and you're just sort of this like more consistent. Are you going from trying to spin really fast to now trying to run at a cadence that's slow? I know we're talking different variables, but maybe that's where some athletes have issues and dropping the cadence a bit on the bike might be causing it. I know I sit at a little bit lower cadence. I think I sit like 80, 85 probably is where I'm more comfortable. Um, and then have no issues getting yeah. off the bike so lower lower cadence like be here but it just depends on everyone's individual and it really comes down to that i guess that fiber type mix as well i'm yeah. probably yeah. compared to what you're like you're really fast twitch i'm probably more that sort of bit of fast bit of slow mm. um, if we took someone who was that really slow twitch fiber they're probably a little bit lower than what i am as well maybe 80 cadence on the bike or whatever yeah. more comfortable for a longer course race if we're talking triathlon yeah and again i think yeah, i think just as you said there i think the, the duration is really important as mm. well i'll definitely hold a higher cadence on a sprint or a limp yeah, sure. compared yeah, sure, to a 70.3 for example yeah uh, and you see that particularly on the longer course the full distance i mean a lot of the pro a lot of everyone is starting to do really low cadence yeah, really 60 crazy. rpm yeah uh, and again, that could come back to, hey, well, most of the research is suggesting that lower cadence has slightly less oxygen consumption, then you're going to save energy and that's going to be beneficial at the back mm. end of the race. So, uh, versus having a higher cadence, which potentially could use more fast twitch because you, you literally have to contract the muscle a bit mm. quicker. Not necessarily more force, but just quicker. So again, yeah, that genetic variance uh, is going to change for everybody. So I think in summary for today, um, in terms of doing low cadence work, again, know what you're doing. If you try... Figure out what your optimum is, go yep. find a hill, whatever it is, do it something around about a six to ten minute time trial. This is just off the top of our heads. It should work. Go as hard as you can, 70 RPM, 80, 90, 100, close enough. See yep. what comes out as the best power, average power output and, and rating of exertion for you. Uh, if you're normally higher than that, then you're going to want to um, do some heavy gear stuff to get used to it. And if you're normally lower than that, you do some, some light gear, heavy cadence, uh, high cadence stuff. 
um, and, and just be aware that it's not a one size fits all. It's going to, you're going to have to play around with it. Um, if you're just riding a bike, it's reasonably simple. If you've got to run off the bike as well, then you've yep. got to figure out um, how you feel with that neuromuscular transition coming off the bike. But to have a play around, uh, again, don't get too scientific about it. We know that generally speaking, it's a little bit less oxygen the lower the cadence, but there's a whole lot of other issues to come with it as well. If you're doing it for strength benefits, strength generally in the gym, yep. or doing it when you're fresh on the bike, 10, 15 seconds flat Short out, burst, have yeah. your proper recovery, do it again. Um, always just keep it as specific as you can. But at the end of the day, something is better than nothing. If you're not going to go to the gym and you're only going to do it on the bike, eh, oh well, better than not doing it at all. So yeah. uh, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully that was useful and we'll speak to you again on the next episode.